Okay, let's go. Oh, we're going to pick up with back in Luke again, where we were at. Oh, remember, he is on the way. That's reading the, the Bible. So, the, it, well, these Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, it's the only time we actually see our Lord, even though he's all through this. Because he said before, he said in here that before Abraham was, he's referring to Genesis, he said, I am. And boy, they picked up rocks to throw at Jesus. And sometimes we have to remember, oh gosh, he's the same Lord back there as he was now. And anyway, it's, it's all about mercy is what it is. He wants us to have mercy toward other people because he's has and he will have mercy toward us. Uh, but anyway, so uh, what I was going to say about these, these stories here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we don't have but just a couple of sentences about him before he became an adult or whatever, or, or when he started Sermon on the Mount and stuff. And, uh, and so all of a sudden it's Sermon on the Mount and he's in a campaign. Some say it was three years before he went to, uh, before he gets crucified and resurrected. It sure seems like it's a lot quicker than that. But anyway, right here where we're picking up in, in Luke chapter 4, he's just outside the city limits of uh, Jerusalem. He's on his way. They're fixing to put him on a donkey, and he'll ride in there, and, and, then, and then he's going to get crucified, okay? And he's been telling them the whole time. So we're right in the middle of that. So uh, he says one day as he was in the home of a, this is Luke 14, and I'm reading in the Living Bible, just... Cuts through the chase. You can read King James if you want to, but remember that old English, Jesus didn't even speak old English. Thou shalt not kill. When the Lord wrote that, it was in Hebrew. When he wrote that in that stone and gave to Moses, it was, hey, don't commit murder. You know, it was not thou shalt, thou, thou, this, thou. Some people just don't understand that. They just, they, they think it's all about the King James language. It's not. And we hardly understand the King James. So here we are. One Sabbath, as he was in the home of a member of the Jewish council, the Pharisees were watching him like hawks to see if he would heal a man who was present, uh, who was suffering from dropsy. And I had to look up dropsy. It's really a heart condition. It can show up as excessive water, their swelling and whatever. I was, you know, like I say, a lot of times you can read the scriptures and just, you think, you know, run around. I thought it was, I always thought it was paralysis. Nah. He already healed a guy that was paralyzed, and they'll say he was paralyzed. Well, anyway, but a couple things I wanted to see here. Look at this. Look what they were after. Plus, watch this. It's a, they, these were Pharisees. They thought they were better than anybody else. That was supposedly the best Christians, if you want to say. But they weren't. Uh, they were watching him like hawks. Look what they were watching for, to see if he would heal a man. Now, why, they knew he would. That's a great thing for us to know, that Jesus will heal you and I. See, they, they wanted to get mad if he did. They were hoping he would heal so that they could have something to accuse him of. Because remember, Sabbath day, you're not supposed to do anything on Sabbath day. But Jesus would nail them on that saying, you, if your donkey, you, you would take your donkey and walk him to go get some water. Anyway, Jesus said to the Pharisees uh, <clears throat> and legal experts standing around, well, is it within the law? Look at that. To heal a man? Uh, on the Sabbath day or not. Again, let's just get away from the story for a second and look at healing. Praise God. I, any day's fine with me. But you can see Jesus is saying it doesn't matter what day it is. All right, anyway, back to this. He's having to tell these clowns because they're mad at him. And when they refuse to answer, look at that. 
Jesus took the sick man by the hand and healed him and sent him away. Praise God. Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, then he turned to them. Which one of you, look at that boy, he nails him. Which one of you doesn't work? That's the key word. They had all these rules. Don't lift this. Don't do that. Whatever. Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? He asked. If your cow falls into a pit, don't you proceed at once to get it out? Again, they had no answer. When he noticed that all who came to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. So remember, the story setting is he's at somebody's house, a member of the, whatever you called Sanhedrin, but it was a bunch of uppity-up Jews here, except it was the religious ones. He said, hey, if you're invited to a wedding feast, now remember, this is the Lord speaking to your heart. These are things that we need to consider in our own life. So, ooh. This is what Jesus would like for me to do. Yeah, okay, here we go. What's he saying? When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. For if someone more respected than you shows up, the host will bring him over to where you are sitting and say, uh, let this man sit here instead, and you'll be embarrassed and will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. In other words, we all should be humble. Humble yourselves. And remember, Jesus would always talk about kids and stuff. You know, and sometimes kids on their own. Well, I know. I'm, we're, we, all, we were all kids. And, of course, if mama ever finds out you're fighting with your brother or sister, they'd say, hey, let him have it, let him have it. You know, after a while, you get used to it. I'm going to let my sister have it. <laughs> you, know, you just do that. You just work it out. Sometimes you have to be told. He said, do this instead. Start at the foot, and when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend. Now, first of all, wait a minute. Look at this. Do you see Jesus didn't say, no, you're probably never... It will happen to you, praise the Lord. Do this. Start at the foot, and when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place than this for you. I mean, sometimes, I mean, why would Jesus use a story uh, that doesn't reflect what he wants to do with you the rest of your life? Remember the 23rd Psalm, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. How quickly we forget these things. Thus you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Look at that. Whoa. And that's what you probably wanted. You wanted somebody to say something nice anyway. Thus you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For everyone who tries to honor himself shall be humbled. Oh, boy. But And he who humbles himself shall be honored. Then he turned to his host. Boy, he's right in the middle of this. He's at their house. When you put on a dinner. Boy, this got him in the heart. Well, I don't want that riffraff around here. Look at this. Don't invite friends, brothers, relatives, rich neighbors, for they'll return the invitation. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the godly, if there's a resurrection, Jesus said there was. Praise God. We're not amoebas out there. Time didn't start till God, which was actually Jesus, he created all things. John's gospel, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, actually talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by Him, you know. And without Him was not anything made. I don't believe it. All the atheists and all the people that believed in uh, Darwinism. Remember, Darwin was a preacher. He wrote in his book that he wanted to, just get away from it all. That's his whole motive. So he come up with that stuff, whatever. And he didn't like the women folk too, if you read about it. Women should be up in arms about that. In Darwin's book, he claimed women weren't fully developed like a man. In other words, they, they're not developed. Really. Really. 
See, that's what's so crazy about believing that we came from apes. You had to have a male and a female at the same time. You're never going to get that. We were created. And the fossil record, everything is dead and perished in concrete. Something happened. It was Noah's flood. All those things were in existence. There's no, as far as they come up with the missing link, there's no missing link. I mean, they, they can't find a missing link. There's none. Yeah, really. No kidding. All right, so back to Jesus here. So here we go. Don't invite your relatives, rich friends, for they'll return the favor. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, let's get something else Jesus said right here. Look at that. And it's not that he's just, he loves the poor and stuff only. He doesn't love everybody else. No, but look at that. He's there to help them. Anyway, then at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who can't repay you. Wow. Okay. Hearing this, look at this. They're all still sitting at the table. They're telling a story, shall we say, at a restaurant. They haven't left. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus, he probably liked Jesus. I'm sure, well, they, they invited him anyway. He was glad to sit with him. He said, what a privilege it would be to get into the kingdom of God. Okay. Jesus replied with this illustration. A man prepared a great feast, sent out many invitations. Again, hold it right there. Hang on a second. Heaven is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. Jesus said uh, in another place, he said, many will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, we're going to know everybody in heaven. Will I know anybody in heaven? <laughs> of course you will. Read the book. Matter of fact, we'll get to a story here in a minute. A guy named Lazarus dies, and he recognizes Abraham. He can't, well, it's not Lazarus. It was another guy, the rich man. Uh, but he recognized Lazarus. He recognized Abraham. Abraham recognized that guy. We're going to know what each other looks like. Anyway, he replied with an illustration. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for everybody to be there. Isn't that right? Something like that. Time for them to arrive. But they all began making excuses. One of them said, oh, I just bought a field and wanted to inspect it and asked to be excused. Another said he had bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. Another said, I had just been married, and for that reason, couldn't come. I listened to Billy Graham use this text the other day, and he, he was laughing about this. And he says, ah, that last guy probably had an excuse. <laughs> you know, he's married. <laughs> Whatever. The servant returned and reported to his master what they had said. His master was angry. Whoa. Now, remember, Jesus is telling this story. It's basically about him. He came to save the world, and they're not interested. Wow. His master was angry and told him to go quickly in the streets and alleys and of the city and invite the beggars, crippled, lame, and blind. But even then there was still room. Well, then he said to his master, go out into the country. Get anybody. Boy, I tell you, it's whosoever will, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the country lanes and behind the hedges urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Man. Okay. For none of those I invited first will even get the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. Whoa. Now look at this. Obviously he left now. Again, we have to just get the picture because we have words. They didn't have cameras back then. Great crowds were following him. And that's what the Pharisees, otherwise they would have knocked him off. They'd have captured him and whatever tried to. They couldn't have gotten Jesus anyway. But they were scared of these great crowds. He turned around and addressed them as follows. Anyone who wants to be my follower. Oh, i got to write this down. Okay. Something he wants us to do. Okay. He must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. Yes, more than his own life. 
Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Well, you know what? There better be something there to love. Oh, yeah. What's there not to love? I like to use this picture of Jesus. Does he care about me? Does he just give me a list of rules and watch like a hawk and see if I'm a good boy or not? No, he sure doesn't. If I was the one that had dropsy, what would he have done? He'd have healed you. Anyway, and no one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. You know, it's still, I get to follow him, but I understand that, but I want a list of things to, that I need to do to guarantee that I go to heaven. Again, it's just Jesus. You just trust Jesus. He'll get you there. Love him. Love him. Matter of fact, one of those guys, something similar to that, they were trying to challenge Jesus, and the guy spoke up and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, I'll tell you. Remember, I think we covered that. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then that guy goes, well, who's my neighbor? And that's when Jesus said, I'll give you a story about that. I'm a good Samaritan. But he says, don't begin unless you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and checking to see if he has enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, he might not complete. Uh, no, he might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh. Now, count the cost of what? Committing your life to Jesus. I mean, is, is there that much detail? Yeah, yeah. We're talking a lifetime investment here. And America right now is, is just, if you say the word slave, they go, oh, oh. But that's what it is. Jesus spoke in those terms. Remember, we always say the good Lord. Well, oh, can't say Lord because that's servant. You better because we are. He's the Lord, and we are his servant. And boy, does he take care. Remember, he told a story what he's going to do. He said the servant, after they do their stuff, he says, but anyway, he said when the, in the kingdom of God, he said, I will come and, and, and you know, you'll sit down, and he'll be the waiter. Remember, Jesus did that when he washed his disciples' feet. Peter went nuts. You're not going to wash my feet, Lord. No, 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 no. Here we go. So anyway, otherwise, everybody's going to laugh. See that fellow over there they would mark, mock, you know? And he's talking about committing yourself to, to Jesus. Okay. He started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Or what king would ever dream of going to war without sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat 20,000 men who are marching against him? If a decision is negative, then the, <clears throat> then the enemy troops are still, are still far away. He'll send a truth team to discuss terms of peace. No one can become my disciple unless he first sits down and, count, and counts his blessing and then renounces them all for me. Man, if, 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 I didn't think Jesus I was going to give up anything. Yeah, you give your life for him. But what's so funny is in this same story, Mark's account, whoever gives up houses, lands, serve, or whatever, all these things for my name and the gospel, he'll receive what? A hundredfold. You're never going to go broke with Jesus. Anyway, what good is salt if it's lost its saltiness? Flavorless salt's fit for nothing, not even for fertilizer. It's worthless and must be thrown out. Listen well if you would understand. In other words, yeah, I, I, I'm, I need to be serious about the things of Jesus, you know. Oh, he's all that matters. Yeah. So we go, goes right in. This is all one big, long story in sequence. Look at this. Dishonest tax collectors. And other notorious sinners. Everybody knew this guy. 
they often came to listen to Jesus' sermons. What are you doing here? But this caused complaints from the, here they are again, Jewish religious leaders. They had their own set of rules. You don't need to be here. You're not one of us. And the experts on the Jewish law, because he was associating with such despicable people. Praise God. I'm glad he associated with me. Even eating with them. Oh, Jesus always fasted. No, remember he said about himself, he called himself a glutton. Y'all call, well, he said, y'all call me a glutton. Call me a drunk too. <clears throat> Jesus used this illustration. If you had, and here you go, you're familiar with this. You had a hundred sheep, one of them straight away, and was lost in the wild. Wouldn't you leave the 99 and go to uh, search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it on your shoulders. When you arrived, you would call together your friends and neighbors to rejoice because your lost sheep was found. Now, what's he talking about? The most despicable, stupid people in the world. Notorious sinners. Wow. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Well, what does he say next? In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who haven't strayed away. Wow. Or take another illustration. A woman had 10 valuable silver coins. And I like using this if I lose something. I just remember what Jesus said. I said, Lord, you had a story about them 10 coins. I, I keep finding my pocket knife or my cell phone or whatever it is. Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house, sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? And then won't she call her friends and neighbors to rejoice with her? In the same way, there is joy. Look at this. Look. I didn't think there were such thing as angels. Yes, and they're not mechanical. They know who you are. They rejoice in the, excuse me, in the same way there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. When one sinner, I think it says repents there, whatever. Oh. Yeah, to further, further illustrate his point, here's that story. Yeah, let's catch it. Act like we never heard it. A man had two sons. When the younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. Father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up his belongings, took a long trip to a distant land. I'm going to get away. I'm going to live my own life. What did he do? And there wasted all his money on parties and prostitutes. I mean, money goes quickly, you know. About that time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. Again, I want to point out here, look at the things Jesus is using to illustrate. And today, sometimes you hear stupid things like on gun smoke, you know, whatever, and a preacher's always poor and whatever, and we'll keep him poor, Lord. You keep him humble. Oh, dumb. Was that Phil, I took him in that golf cart. You know, it's funny. Phil would say, you already had a chance to talk to somebody. He said, my pastor gave me that golf cart. <laughs> Well, pastor's supposed to be broke. We're not. We're, we're all rich. Praise the Lord. And Phil could have bought that. He offered me $1,000 for it. And I said, no, because I want my blessing. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So anyway, here we go. He began to starve. Well, it might be the Lord's will. <laughs> it was the devil's will is what all this was. Remember Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to kill steal, and destroy. There's where your bad stuff comes from. Go read the book of Job. He shows up to God and says, hey, yeah, well, your guy Job there, he's doing great because you always bless him. Well, what did the Lord say? Well, okay, 
Just don't harm his life. So who did the bad stuff? The devil did. The devil jumped in on him. Man, he did the bad stuff. Say, well, why why'd God do that? Well, go read the story. It looked for the obvious. God was just showing that Job was not going to turn his back on God, and he never did. Job still loved the Lord. He had some questions about this, but he still loved him. And then he started whining a little bit, and God dealt with him, and he got it all back. And he, the very last two verses, he was the richest man in all the West. God gave it all back. So that's what this guy's doing. He, was, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the swine looked good to him. And they gave him nothing. And then he finally figured it out. Except I, as a Baptist, was starting to be taught, you know, that God doesn't do anything. And this financial stuff with the gospel is that's a cult, Richard. It's a cult. Well, then how come all the deacons are making so much money? Why are they bankers? And why do we have lawyers and stuff in this church? It's just hypocritical. Anyway, finally, he came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, and this is where you and I are with Jesus, even the hired men have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He's waking up. I'm going back to Jesus. And that's how you're winning your friends and your hard-to-get relatives by your track record of blessing in your life. It's just going to happen. They'll go, well... You know, Paula says she loves the Lord. It must be, she's either doggone lucky or what she keeps saying about the Lord is what's doing it for her. Yeah. I'll go home to my father. I know I blew it. And I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Wow. Please take me as a hired man. He thought that's what he needed to do. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still, this is that good stuff, a long way off, Now, remember, Jesus is trying to tell you this is your heavenly father. His father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity. And look at that. And ran. Ran. I can't wait to give him a piece of my mind. It's mercy. It's mercy. And embraced him and kissed him. Jeez. His son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worried to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves. Oh, he said slaves. Oh, my gosh. Man, he just said those slaves had plenty. They were happy to be there. Quick, bring the finest robe to the house and put it on him. And a jeweled ring for his finger and shoes. Wow. Kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate. Remember, he just got through saying we leave the 99 and go after the one. Yeah, but that old jerk of an uncle I've got, you change that attitude. You just keep praying for him. Or that lousy person down the street, whatever. That should trigger your prayers for him. Man, that old codger. He's even a sheriff, whatever. I hate that guy. Okay, Lord, you had mercy to me. I pray you have mercy toward him. Somebody's going after that guy. I mean, Jesus is somehow, some way. Anyway, oh, there's a lot of mean ones. We were all mean. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Anyway, he says, we got to celebrate with a feast. This son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. And now here's the part that, well, I don't know. That's probably, I'm going to switch churches. Nah. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. He returned home. He heard dance music coming from the house. He asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told. Now I'm going to back up just a moment here. They weren't 
doing praise music here. They just celebrate. It's just like somebody has to come in the room and go, well, you, you ought not be listening to that kind of music. And you ought not be doing just a, somebody, you, you've seen them before. They just put a damper on everything. Just don't listen. Don't let, just keep being happy. Here we go. He asked one of the servants, hey, what's going on? Your brother's back. <laughs> that was not good news to him. And your father's killed a fatted calf, or the, the calf we were fattening, and has prepared a great feast to celebrate. He's coming home again unharmed. See, that unharmed didn't bother him. I was hoping he'd gotten killed. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him. Now, that's our heavenly father. Say, Remember the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first? Remember the story Jesus said the, there, was, there was a guy, he was hiring people, and he hired some in the morning and said, I'll give you what you're worth at the end of the day or whatever, and they agreed. Okay, fine. And anyway, uh, later on in the day, he found some more people, and he sent them out in the fields, and then he found some about an hour before closing and hired them too. Well, anyway, at the end of the day, he's paid everybody. And the ones who started early in the morning in the heat of the day, they thought they would get more. But they didn't, and they got angry. We worked here all day. And he said, hey, I can do what I want to with my money. You know, you agreed to work for me. Can I not be a blessing to other people and give them what I want to give them? Yeah. All these years I worked for you hard. You never once refused to say, you never once refused to a single thing you told, well, hang on a second. Yes, I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. Okay, that was the son. And all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Well, that's because he didn't ask probably. Anyway, yeah, look at this. Look at this attitude. When this son of yours, <laughs> remember, we're in the world, and we're trying, Billy Graham, all of Billy's gone, I know, but all these other evangelists, we're trying to reach the lost. And we'd like to say, you don't even need to come. Don't bother. But all of a sudden, they're going to get born again. When this son of yours comes back after spending your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have in all the place. Look, dear son, his father told him, you and I, whatever. All this is ours together, are very close. Everything I have is yours. But it's right to celebrate. Boy, it's so good. He's your brother, and he was dead. It's come back to life. He was lost, and is found. Wow. Okay. It just kind of gets us, doesn't it? We go, okay, praise God. I'm just, Lord, you're going to be merciful. And I want everybody in my, on my street to be saved. <laughs> I don't care about my, you know, my such and such neighbors to the left or right. I'm, Lord, have mercy on He now told this story. A rich man had a hired accountant to handle his affairs. But soon a rumor went around that his accountant was thoroughly dishonest. So his employer called him in and said, hey, what's this I hear about you stealing from me? Get your report in order. You're going to get fired, for you're going to be dismissed. Now, where's Jesus going with this? Look at this. The accountant thought to himself, what, what am I going to do? I'm through here, and I haven't the strength to go out and dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I know just the thing, and I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me when I leave. And I think that's what this story is about. So he invited each one who owed him money to his employee to come and discuss it. He said, hey, how much you owe? Well, I owe 850 gallons of olive oil. And this guy had authority to do this. Well, he was going to get blamed for it. Uh, here's your contract you signed, the accountant told him. He said, tear it up and make it for half of that. <laughs> well, hey, that's a good deal. He just made a friend there. 
How much do you owe him? He asked the next man. A thousand bushels of wheat. Here, the accountant said, take your note, replace it with one for 800 bushels. Oh, man. The rich man had to admire the rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the citizens of this world are more clever in dishonesty than the godly are. Let me switch that verse 8 back to the King James. I think it says it a little better here. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world in their generation are wiser than the children of light. And I think that's because we get stupid sometimes and we get offended. You've got to have mercy. You've got to show love. We don't want to be guilty of, well, the lost guys are smarter than I am. Oh, no. Notice he says, make friends of uh, mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, you may be received into everlasting habitations. Okay. In other words, take what you got and, and work with people around you. Anyway, but shall I tell you to act that way, to buy friendship through cheating? Will this ensure your entry into an everlasting home in heaven? No, for unless you're honest in small matters, you won't be in large ones. If you cheat even at little, you're gonna, you won't be honest in greater responsibility. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's money, uh, I think he says, and why, would, why should you be entrusted with, yeah, with money of your own? Now, where's he going with this? No, serving no, he can't serve two masters. You know, money, even the parable of the sower, he says, you know, the, 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 about the thorns, he says, these are those who are sown among thorns and the, the pressures of this life and the, and the concern for riches, it'll just choke. You can't serve both of them. And it's so good to know that, can you tell yourself today, if I lost all my money, would I be okay? If you, if you in your mind freak out, you have forgotten about your Lord. It's not your money. It's certainly not the American flag in the United States. That's where a lot of people get so angry about the United States and whatever. Uh, and just, I, 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 nothing wrong with being angry with your politicians and stuff. I get that. But don't be angry because you think they're, gonna t- they're the ones who are taking care of you. Don't you ever think for a second that if you pulled everything away, this Jesus stuff is a fake. No, it's not. You can't serve God, and it's two things, and money at the same time. Anyway, the Pharisees who dearly love their money, they laughed at this. They're supposed to be Jesus people or Lord whatever. No. They're all about money. Their whole world goes upside down. Then he said to them, you wear noble and pious expression in public, but God knows your evil heart. Your pretense brings you honor before the people, but it is an abomination in the sight of God. It's just like scamming people, praise the Lord. I'm catch myself on fire here with them candles. Woo. All right. Until John the Baptist began to preach the laws of Moses and the message of the prophets were your guides. But John introduced the good news that the kingdom of God would come soon. And now eager multitudes are pressing in. See, remember, there was, there was huge crowds with John the Baptist. And they were like, who is this guy? He doesn't even dress up. He has no robe. He wears these, eats locust and just out there in the desert. And everybody was going out there. But that doesn't mean the law has lost its force. Even in the smallest point, it's as strong, as unshakable as heaven and earth. Just all that in the Old Testament, we keep going over. He says, so anyone who divorces his wife marries someone else commits adultery. And if anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, we say, well, that's me, I'm guilty. Well, remember, we're all guilty. We're all guilty, no matter what. What am I going to do? You need a redeemer. Jesus said, even to those who are guilty of, of, of all that, follow me. You're going to be all right. 
There was a rich man, Jesus said, who, uh, who was splendidly clothed and lived in a day, uh, lived each day in mirth and luxury. Okay, now remember, he said, this is real. He didn't make this up. One day, Lazarus, and this is another Lazarus, I think. I don't think it's, well, I know, I'd have to say it. it's another one. A diseased beggar was laid at his door. He lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table. The dogs would come and lick his open sores. Apparently, the rich man didn't want him to do it. I'm not going to give him nothing. Finally, the beggar died. Now, look at this concerning things about death. Carried by the angels. You need to remember this. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You talk about somebody who was low life. Look at the low life. Carried by the angels. But we won't call him a low life. We know better. Now what, where'd he go? To be with Abraham in the place of the righteous dead. Okay. The man, uh, excuse me, the rich man also died and was buried. Well, that was kind of weird. Oh, boy, man. And his soul went into hell. Now his soul's not, it's just some sort of ghost. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, a, a tablecloth. It's the same as Lazarus. It's still you. There in torment, look at that. He saw Lazarus. You know, Jesus is talking about things that we can't see. I can't say nobody's been there because these two guys have been there. Abraham has been there. Lazarus has been there. And this rich guy's been there. And Jesus knew it. Well, let's just take it for what it says. Whoa. He said, Father Abraham, he shouted, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here. If only to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. Nah, I don't really believe in a burning hell. There ain't going to be a lake of fire. I don't think so. Man, our Jesus is the biggest liar? No, he's not. It's like someone wrote a book. Lied, liar, no, Lord, liar, or lunatic. Oh, ooh. But Abraham said to him, this is years after the book of Genesis. What is this talk about Abraham? He's still living. Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. So he is here now. So now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides that, there is a great chasm. Those you can't get across because some gigantic Grand Canyon type thing or whatever separating us. Anyone wanting to come to you from here is stopped at its edge, and no one over there can cross to us. Look at this. The conversation went on. The rich man said, "Oh, Father Abraham, then please send him." To my father's home, I have five brothers to warn them of this place of torment, lest they come here when they die. And I know we're worried about our relatives too, or our friends. Abraham said, the scriptures have warned them again and again. Your brothers can read them anytime they want to. Of course, this guy says, well, they won't believe that. Send somebody from the dead. <laughs> yeah. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, they won't bother to read them. But if someone is sent from the dead, oh, they'll turn from their sins. Boy, look at this. Abraham said, no, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even though someone rises from the dead. And that's where we are today. I mean, you say, we got to have some, something big's got to happen in the sky. Nah, they wouldn't believe if it happened anyway. The moon decided to go the other direction. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. Wow. Anyway, interesting enough it, that, you know, you're seeing here that after death, there's still something going on. Yeah, we keep living. We're going to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, the Bible says, present 
with the Lord. Now we're going to stop right there. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We get an option, I mean, uh, an avenue here to see Jesus and what he did in, in these uh, last three chapters here. And we just thank you for it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're Lord of all. And Lord, if we're not feeling good today, if we had a heart condition or whatever, praise the Lord, you'd heal us in front of a bunch of naysayers. We just thank you for it. Same thing's true financially. We trust you. We don't trust money. We trust you. So Lord, if we're needing money, you'll get that to us. We just thank you for it. And if it's some other problem, great or small, whatever it is, you will get us out. We're just so thankful we have you on our side. And so, Lord, we're going to tell others about you using what you've done for us to say, hey, he's been good to me. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.